cell phone spy gear that can listen in, track, hack, or even edit your text messages, which was developed for the military and intelligence agencies, is being used by cops and potentially other groups all over the country. Now, these untraceable surveillance tools are in the hands of the Trump administration. This is Snow Crash Radio. I'm Jonah Meadows. In this episode, we're going to get into what that means. If you want to be technical and difficult to pronounce about it, they're called cell site simulators. Sometimes in court, police innocuously call them digital analyzers. In Europe, they're often called MC catchers, but in the U.S., they're usually best known as Stingrays. That's the most popular of their many brand names. Cyclone, Cyberhawk, Blackfish, Spartacus. They're all usually, you know, kind of sexy animals and or, uh, uh, you know, like very powerful sounding device names. Uh, they're kind of interchangeable with, uh, you know, muscle cars. <laughs> Sasha Meinrath is the director of the X-Lab, a tech policy institute in D.C., and a few years ago, he wanted to demonstrate to Congress how these devices worked and exactly how powerful they are. We were certain, you know, if we walk into the Capitol building with backpacks full of advanced surveillance gear, like, we're going to get ourselves in trouble. So these things are essentially fake cell phone towers that trick any phone within range into connecting with them. Once they're connected, they can identify all the phones by the unique identifiers attached to their SIM cards, the IMSI, or the International Mobile Subscriber Identity. So what ends up happening? We just breeze straight through. 20 minutes later, we have a fully functioning MC catcher set up there. If we had named it AT&T or Verizon, just every cell phone in the Capitol building would have connected to us. And that means Sasha could potentially have tapped into the cell phones of every single person in and around the Capitol building. And it's because cell phones are always on the hunt to find the tower with the strongest signal and connect to it. It's the very thing that makes them so convenient that they're left vulnerable to this sort of intrusion. Most MC catchers, most Stingray-type devices, are used in cars. But some, some are small enough to be carried around by hand. And some are mounted in planes. Overseas, according to documents obtained from... Edward Snowden, and domestically, according to the Wall Street Journal and USA Today and others. Some agencies, DEA, uh, we think they're also being used at border areas. They'll put, in essence, a fake cell tower in a Cessna and fly it around. You're not doing that in a very targeted way. You're not going after an individual at that point. You're going after an entire region. Congress has only recently figured out exactly which federal agencies even have stingrays, in determining what those agencies are doing with them or passing a law to control how the devices get used, that's more difficult. And for courts, this technology, as it makes dragnet surveillance increasingly affordable for state, local, even private agencies, it raises new legal questions about searches and seizures, Fourth Amendment questions, First Amendment questions, and judges around the country have given different answers at different times. Still, Last summer, in a rare show of bipartisanship by lawmakers in Springfield, the new Illinois law, the Citizens' Privacy Protection Act, crafted by civil libertarians and law enforcement groups, passed unanimously and was signed into law by Governor Rauner. The Trump administration isn't bound by this new state law, which took effect the first of the year, 
Less than two weeks later, a federal class action lawsuit has been filed accusing the Chicago Police Department of conspiring to violate the constitutional rights of protesters by using the cell phone spy gear at a demonstration on Martin Luther King Day in 2015. Well, I think it was really despicable that, I mean, we were basically covering a school children march. It was about the most non-confrontational group of people you could imagine. Really, kids, all right, were leading that march on Martin Luther King Day from their school to the juvenile detention center. And they got to the juvenile detention center and they were basically singing songs for the kids who were locked up inside. Why that would be perceived as a threat worthy of surveillance is just, it's, it's impossible for me to imagine that. Jerry Boyle, a volunteer legal observer for the National Lawyers Guild, is the named plaintiff in that lawsuit. I frankly didn't want to be the named plaintiff. <laughs> um, I, I would have preferred being one of the lawyers, but the class representative has to be a member of the class he seeks to represent, meaning I've got to be somebody that was spied on. I had the facts. I spoke to him at the international terminal at O'Hare Airport as he observed another protest, one at which federal law enforcement would not have been legally prohibited from using stingrays, but we'll get to that later. The law in Illinois regulating cell site simulators is only the sixth in the country to pass. Three things are different right now for law enforcement who want to use cell site simulator technology. Number one, they can only use it for location tracking. They can't upload malware, they can't read your text messages, they can't drain your battery, they can only use it to track location. Illinois Democratic State Senator Daniel Biss is the sponsor of the Citizen Privacy Protection Act. Number two, they can only do that if they have a court order. And number three, if they get a court order and go ahead and do that, then when they gather data that's unrelated to the topic of the court order, they have to delete it. The bill's supporters call it one of the strongest Stingray laws in the country. But a big reason why it passed, and a big reason why we know anything about the use of Stingray technology by the Chicago Police Department, is Freddie Martinez. And the Freedom of Information Act, or FOIA requests, about them, he's filed with the city. I remember specifically having a phone call with a FOIA officer and saying, like, will you respond to this request in writing? And they said, well, we have it. We're just not going to respond in writing. I kind of wish I had recorded that phone call. Freddie's a software engineer and an activist who directs the Chicago transparency nonprofit Lucy Parsons Labs. He first became interested in police stingray use during the 2009 NATO protests. At the time... People noticed their cell phones acting unusually and suspected some form of surveillance. So he filed public records requests for CPD documents relating to stingrays. But because the department and its lawyers resisted releasing any details about exactly what cell site simulator technology it had, how it used it, and what its legal justifications were, Martinez took them to court. So it really wasn't until we filed suit that we actually got an acknowledgement. I mean, maybe there's a lesson in there for other people who do FOIA and are hitting roadblocks. And then at the same time, the American Civil Liberties Union was looking into the use of stingrays by state and local law enforcement. Kadeen Bennett is associate legislative director of the Illinois ACLU. We found out from the state police that they had them, and CPD kind of said they had them, but they didn't quite say that they had them, and we know that there was litigation with Freddie's case. So... We decided that we wanted to regulate the use of these devices. Freddie's lawyer in that successful FOIA litigation was Matt Topic of Lobby and Lobby, 
And now he's also brought a federal civil class action case on behalf of people who police have used stingrays on. And he says Freddie's case followed a familiar pattern. It happens with stingrays. I've seen it happen in all kinds of transparency cases, which I've done many. There's a whole lot of fighting over keeping something secret. And once the thing actually gets out, you look at it and say, really? Are we, why did we even fight over this? Martinez says the government's legal arguments tend to rotate around worst case scenarios. The FBI in particular has this, you know, four horsemen of the apocalypse that they use. It's always terrorists, child predators, you know, murderers and like hackers or whatever. You know, there's always like four of them that they pull out. And I'm not particularly convinced. Because that's not the reality that's been borne out by the data. At least in places where more detailed logs about stingray use have been kept, like in Tacoma, Washington. Between 2012 and early 2014, they were using it for what they say they would use it for, you know, serious crimes. And then what happens is they discover the capabilities. And at one point, the use just skyrockets. And it's essentially all drug investigations. So my concern is not that they're withholding records for me. I don't take that personally. What they call military-grade technology is really pointed at disproportionately marginalized communities. It's against the poor. Lawsuits against the Tacoma police for withholding records, invading privacy, and interfering with cell phones are ongoing. And it's not just in Tacoma. In other places, with more specific data, it's been possible for journalists to map out where and when police have deployed stingrays. My name is George Joseph, reporting fellow at City Lab. George looked at publicly available data from Baltimore, Tallahassee, and Milwaukee. Those three cities kept and released far more complete records than Chicago. We found that the use by police of stingray captures of data overwhelmingly occurred in low-income areas across these cities. In Baltimore, 90% of stingray incidents that we were able to geolocate based on the police data occurred in majority non-white census block groups. And in Baltimore, that means African-American neighborhoods. Just as in Tacoma, Joseph points out in his article, Mapping Racial Disparities in Police Stingray Surveillance, most of the documented cases where the devices are used, most are not for the serious emergencies cited when local law enforcement agencies buy the devices. We saw no terrorism cases, for example, in Baltimore. A lot of it was just really humdrum criminal activities like a stolen cell phone. (laughs) And a stolen cell phone is obviously very easy to capture with a stingray. (laughs) Then how have stingrays been used in Chicago? How will they be used in the future? Back to Freddie Martinez of Lucy Parsons Lab. The Chicago Police Department, which declined repeated requests for comment for this story, has settled its most recent lawsuit with Martinez over cell site simulator documents, and that was last October. It turned over hundreds of pages of purchase orders and affidavits and some court orders. There was about 30 to 40 court cases in a decade of use. Like, those numbers are impossible. So I I suspect that we're not getting the full story. He says it's a clear violation of federal record-keeping requirements for wiretaps. CPD claims that they have, like, no logs of cell site simulators being checked in and out of what they call their tech lab, which seems to be at odds with the U.S. federal code that they themselves are saying they're following. And his lawyer, Matt Topic says the lack of record-keeping means pretty much anything is possible. There's not a log. There's not a permission request. It's all very loose. 
in terms of the paperwork on all this stuff. For all we know, they use them every day, or maybe they use them like three times a year. We just really don't know. The documents released at the time of recording do not include any evidence that Chicago police have ever deployed cell site simulators on any protesters, although Topic is now part of the legal team filing a class action against the CPD for doing exactly that. One of the things that is clear from the documents that have been released so far, police were quite vague in their request to judges about how the technology they were using actually works. One judge in Rockford, Illinois, even wrote that he had to go on Wikipedia to find out what they actually did. Sometimes police would call them digital analyzers. They'd usually apply for what are called pen register or trap and trace orders. And that's got a lower standard of proof than the normal probable cause required for a search warrant. But under Illinois' new law, police are no longer able to do that. The ACLU's Kadeen Bennett. Thankfully, our General Assembly recognized that there has to be a limitation, and our governor also signed the bill. It was a bill that we negotiated with the Illinois State Police and the Cook County State's Attorney's Office. It wasn't a huge fight. I have to say that everyone recognized that this is too powerful technology to be used without any restriction. Before this year, local police were in no way required to disclose the full surveillance power of these cell site simulators to judges, let alone the general public. It was the wild, wild west. There didn't have to be a paper trail necessarily. Law enforcement didn't have to get any kind of check on it, and there was no limitation for the use. And I think one of the reasons why the Citizen Privacy Protection Act was a bipartisan bill, got out of both chambers with Republican and Democratic sponsorship, was because people, once you told them that law enforcement was able to use these privacy-invasive devices with no check at all, people were outraged. The result, she says, is one of the toughest Stingray laws in the country, restricting what they can be used for and how long police can hold on to the data of bystanders. But the paper trail thing, not so much. And although, Matt Topic says, stingrays as they currently exist are still a major Fourth Amendment violation that needs to be addressed by judges. I mean, I'm a lawyer, so my choice is I'd rather go to court and I'd rather have the Supreme Court resolve the issue. In the meantime, though, he approves of the Illinois bill. I think it's probably the absolute strongest bill that could have passed. And I think it's important that it passes unanimously. I think there's a real value to that that sends a pretty strong message. And then there's the matter of city council oversight. Documents Martinez acquired show the money that bought Stingrays and other high-tech CPD surveillance equipment, the money to purchase and upgrade these devices, did not go through the normal budgetary process. They have this program called 1505, which is a civil asset forfeiture program, money that they seize as part of the war on drugs. So you find that a lot of the surveillance technology, like cameras around the city, are funded through this special program that no one had investigated until last year. Using these accounts allowed Chicago police to avoid disclosing the purchases of high-tech surveillance gear to members of the city council or to the public. Some local governments, like in Oakland, California, are looking at ways to prevent law enforcement from introducing new technology without oversight from elected officials. Before you get any kind of new device, you have to go before a city council. You have to go before some public body and say, this is what we're thinking of getting for our community. Is that really the value that we want to have? Like, is that the best use of our money? Do we really want to surveil our community in this way? And I think with these Stingray devices, part of the issue was that there was never transparency. People didn't know it was happening. Senator Biss, the sponsor of Illinois' new law, says it's easy to see the effect of increased transparency firsthand says when he mentions he's working on regulating these emerging threats to privacy, most people's first response is, Why are you a crazy person? And then when I would explain and walk people through step by step the potential for a completely different 
world of surveillance than we are used to contemplating, people completely changed their attitude and they said, whoa, that's terrifying. Thanks for bringing this to my attention. So I believe strongly that the lack of public outrage has a lot to do with the lack of public knowledge. And public opinion has been shifting. And while Freddie's lawsuits worked their way through the courts, other members of the public have also been working to expand that knowledge by collecting data on police stingray use in other jurisdictions. You know, there are individuals across the country that are tracking this. So there is a network of people that have now sort of become experts. One in the San Francisco Bay Area has been filing requests about stingrays for close to two years. So my name is Mike Katzlikabe. By day, I work in computer security. In my spare time, I have done everything from serve as an elected member of my local school board to essentially harass public agencies with public records requests. Mike is also the co-founder of the Center for Human Rights and Privacy. So I sent letters to the law enforcement agencies for the 100 largest cities by population, the 100 largest counties by population, and all 50 state police agencies. And we can't confirm exactly how many local law enforcement agencies and which ones use Stingray-type devices. And the big reason? The NDA. Right now, in order for a law enforcement agency to obtain one of these cell site signalers from Harris, they have to sign a non-disclosure agreement with the FBI. And then the FBI then sends a letter to Harris Corporation saying, it's okay for you to sell this agency the state, local version of the software and the equipment that goes along with it. And this NDA has a few pretty important features. First off, the FBI wants to know every time anyone like Mike or Freddie or anyone else asks about stingrays. Any FOIA request, any open records request about them automatically gets sent to the FBI. And the Bureau then helps those agencies keep as much information secret as possible like when a privacy activist in Minnesota tried to get a copy of the NDA, which had been released in different forms all over the country, according to Mike Katz-Lakabe. And in fact, in the Center for Human Rights and Privacy, I've put up a page that has a list of all the non-disclosure agreements that have been released. And as you go through that list, you'll find it entertaining the various levels of redaction, because some are completely unredacted, and some of them are so redacted that they're pretty much useless. It's all the same document. Another part of the NDA, which struck Freddie Martinez as kind of hypocritical, is the request to prosecutors to avoid exposing any information about how stingrays operate in open court, which means... They would rather drop charges against criminals than reveal their sources of investigation, which, you know, would contradict all these ideas we have about due process and getting the evidence against you in a court of law. The main rule of buying stingrays, then, is simple. Don't talk about stingrays. Pretty much everything to do with Harris's technology, how it works when it's used, what its capabilities are, all of it should be kept secret from the public, according to this NDA. As an FBI supervisor wrote in 2014, offering help keeping Stingray use in Minnesota secret, quote, The protection of cell site simulator information is a concern for all law enforcement agencies in the U.S. And the first layer of protection is the non-disclosure agreement. These non-disclosure agreements are like a side effect of this process of state and local law enforcement agencies adopting the same tools that are being used by military and intelligence agencies, according to Kadeen Bennett of the ACLU. There would be these trade shows for new and exciting military equipment that local law enforcement people can have access to. 
And when they were told, hey, these Stingray devices are really great, here's all of the stuff that it can do, law enforcement folks were like, this is really awesome, we want some of this. Then they would be directed to Harris and then they would be told, okay, sign this non-disclosure agreement, you can never let anybody know that you have it because it's proprietary information. Lawyer Matt Topic of Lovey and Lovey. Part of it is commercial. I think what's happened is people like Harris and other manufacturers, they've sold all the equipment they could sell to first the military, then federal law enforcement, and then they go on to state and local law enforcement to continue to make markets for this stuff. And as the details about law enforcement use of cell site simulators started dripping and dribbling out, federal government changed its policy voluntarily in late 2015, around the same time that judges began looking more critically at how stingrays worked. But that's assuming the judges even know that stingrays have been used, which is not always so easy according to researcher Mike Katzlikabe. Oftentimes they're referred to in court documents as a confidential source or an informant, when in fact the information came from the use of a stingray. And so far, there have been a few important cases that have worked their way through the courts. In New York, in the summer of 2016, for the first time, a judge threw out evidence the DEA had acquired by using a cell site simulator. The government is appealing that ruling. In Baltimore, where narcotics detectives have said in court they use Stingray technology thousands of times, law enforcement's been bound by a judge to obtain a probable cause-based court order to use the devices. And that's one of the two main legal issues that judges usually consider when they look at these cases. The other is what to do with all the innocent people's data that gets sucked up in the process of finding the targeted phone. There's a ton of collateral damage associated with that, and it's everybody else who was within range of the device at the time that they're just trying to locate or find the phone number for a particular person. Another aspect of that collateral damage is being addressed in complaints to the Federal Communications Commission. A coalition of nonprofit groups want the FCC to look at Stingray use in Baltimore because of its effect disrupting emergency calls and cell services disproportionately in African-American neighborhoods. Reporter Curtis Waltman from Muckrock, who's been conducting a nationwide Stingray survey of law enforcement, explains how that works. If they're trying to get into a phone with a Stingray that's a 4G phone, they'll need to downgrade it to a 2G. And to do that, you got to jam the network. And when you jam the network, you can't just jam it for one phone. Unfortunately, they're going to be jamming it for pretty much everybody in the area. And in a heavily populated area, that's affecting hundreds, if not thousands of people at a time. The ACLU's Kadeen Bennett. Let's say your kid is sick and your school is trying to call you to pick up your sick kid. You won't be able to get that call. Reporter George Joseph of City Lab. So if you're using these tools in predominantly low-income communities of color who already have to deal with the brunt of criminal activity to some degree, why is it then fair to impede on people's 911 calls? And even though this technology is so invasive and disruptive, it's also incredibly hard to detect and even harder to stop. But it's not that hard to build. All the way back in 2010, at a hacker conference, computer security expert Kristen Padgett demonstrated a homemade Stingray device with only $1,500 worth of equipment. Mike Katzlikabe of the Center for Human Rights and Privacy was there. The technology's there. The software is there. The cost has come down since that time. I think you could do it for less than $1,000 pretty easily these days. And if there were non-law enforcement people or organizations using this technology, maybe criminals, maybe stalkers, maybe spies, who would detect them? And who would prosecute them? Even if you're not a master hacker yourself, 
Reporter Curtis Waldman says it's also pretty easy to buy your own MC catcher off the internet. There are probably non-governmental use of this stuff. We also see this in the Czech Republic, Germany. There are a lot of countries, including, you know, Russia and China. So then what is the federal government policy about this? Well, in December, after 20 months of investigation, the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee released its final report into law enforcement use of cell site simulator technology. And for the first time, this report revealed the exact breakdown on exactly how many devices the federal government has and exactly which agencies have them. According to the report, the Department of Justice, which declined to comment for this story, has more than 300 cell site simulators. The Department of Homeland Security, which also declined to comment, has another 124 of its own. The report revealed that even the Tax Inspector General for Tax Administration has a stingray. So, the committee makes a bunch of recommendations for reform, but those recommendations are just that, just suggestions. The current federal policy on stingray use is completely discretionary, and there's nothing except maybe bureaucratic inertia stopping Trump's executive branch agencies from reversing those guidelines. So what does that mean for Illinois' new law? The bill's sponsor, State Senator Daniel Biss. I would be pretty concerned that a change in policy regarding cell site simulators on the federal level would put us at risk of having a law in the books in Illinois that is fine for what it is, but could be pretty easily skirted. Kadeen Bennett of the Illinois ACLU. We can only regulate what our law enforcement entities do. Our hope is that DOJ and the Department of Homeland Security will keep these privacy policies in place. Um, we have constitutions available for anyone in the administration who needs them. And as for how Illinois' new law will fare under a Trump administration, Freddie Martinez is not especially hopeful. I'm kind of a skeptic. I do think in the future we're going to see a lot more of this sort of from the military technologies being imported. So I think issues like this are going to be much more important over the next four years. You've got this technology that's still being used by spy agencies overseas. And those agencies, understandably, they want to keep it as secret as possible. And then you've got the manufacturers, Harris Corporation for the Stingray family of products, and the Boeing Corporation for the Dirt Box, that's the one that goes in planes, currently those are the only two companies allowed to sell these things to domestic U.S. law enforcement. And they, understandably, want to sell as many of these devices as possible. And then you've got the consumers of this technology, your state and local law enforcement agencies, who, at least in the case of Chicago, might be avoiding oversight from aldermen by using the proceeds of asset forfeiture programs and from judges, at least before the new law, by not explaining the full extent of the power of Stingray technology. Not to mention the lack of complete or consistent records in Chicago or many other jurisdictions. Researcher Mike Katz-Lacabe. Plenty of agencies probably aren't keeping any records of it at all, perhaps because they don't want something that's subject to public records disclosure or just poor practice, right? As long as they're not required to keep records, why would they? And if something happens like you get kidnapped along with your phone, then the Stingray, certainly a very welcome tool. Illinois' law has an exception for emergencies like that, which are called exigent circumstances. They always provide an exception to the warrant requirements from the Fourth Amendment. And under those exceptions, law enforcement has 48 hours to acquire a court order after beginning the surveillance. That includes life and death situations, as well as national security, organized crime, and hacking. But the federal policy is even broader. On top of the normal emergency exceptions, it also allows for something called 
exceptional circumstances, which it doesn't explicitly define. According to the DOJ policy document, these circumstances allow federal agents to avoid getting a warrant when, it says, circumstances make obtaining a search warrant impracticable. A big part of the problem here, says Sasha Meinrath of the X-Lab, is a dangerous lack of knowledge by politicians about how this emerging technology actually works. Not to mention laws written and interpreted well before the age of cell phones, where many people carry more private information in their pocket than they keep in their house. And so what you end up with is a acumen amongst key decision makers that is ever increasingly discrepant from technological reality. So now, as Illinois has become the latest state to regulate Stingray devices, will Congress follow suit and pass a law of its own? Or will they leave the Trump administration with the power to greatly expand the use of these things? Can lawsuits and public records requests continue to uncover the local police department's evolving cell phone surveillance arsenal? Or will courts shield them and the manufacturers from any real public scrutiny? And what would it take to get the cell phone companies, not just one of them, all of them, to, to implement the very expensive, wide-ranging, comprehensive changes to the whole cell phone network that would be required to stop cell site simulators? Until then, cell phones will remain vulnerable to hackers, criminals, spies, and, of course, law enforcement. And you could be getting a quick, warrantless search anytime your phone is on without even knowing it. And that's it for this episode of Snow Crash Radio. You can bet you'll hear more about this subject in future episodes of this very pod. So stay tuned. Subscribe for future shows. Leave reviews. Share on the social or anti-social medium of your choosing. Snow Crash Radio is available on PRX, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, and your podcatcher of choice. Find out more about guests and music on the show at scradio.org. Follow the show on Twitter at Snow Crash Radio or get in touch by email at info at scradio.org. Thanks for listening.